We're focusing on the tribulation part today. Uh, if God tests us, if we put ourselves in trials, it's the enemy that brings tribulation in our life. The enemy loves to attack God's people. There are a lot of Christians who are ignorant to this. They think everything is flesh and blood fights. They think that the fight with them and their spouse is between them and their spouse, but it's not. It's the devil trying to destroy your marriage. So instead of fighting against each other, you need to fight with each other in the same direction. You understand what I'm saying? So we're going to talk about how the devil attacks us. And we're going to talk about it in depth. And a lot of Christians don't like to hear it, but it's all through the Bible. Uh, the devil has many names in the Bible. Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, Prince of Persia. MSNBC, adversary. Uh, so these different names off the Bible. And um, you never need to picture Jesus and Satan fighting because that's not how it works. Satan is a created being. He was an angel. He still is an angel. just a fallen angel. He is not on the same level with Jesus. Satan and Jesus don't battle. You and I battle Satan. And in the Bible, when you see the word Satan or Lucifer or Beelzebub, it, a lot of times it's not talking about Satan himself. It's talking about the works of Satan. He has a mighty demon army that attacks us on a regular basis. And so today in part three, we're going to talk about principalities and powers. Principalities and powers. This is a biblical word talking about demons or evil spirits or fallen angels. Ephesians 6, 12 says we do not fight against human beings, but against principalities, powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual forces of evil. Um, in other words, most of the things that you've been fighting about all your life, you've been fighting in the wrong direction. You think the problem is the, the person, the president, or you think the problem is your spouse, or you think the problem, you could just force your kids to do right, but you need to wake up today as Christians and understand the enemy is trying to destroy everything in your life. You say, well, if that's the case, I might as well not even be a Christian. The enemy's already got the non-believers. He's already got them in bondage. And when you see somebody who's not serving God, who's not a Christian or believer, and you think, oh, they're so rich or they're so happy or their marriage is so good. Listen real close. I know people. They all got problems. Every single one of them that are not serving God are in bondage. They just hide it very well on Facebook and make you think otherwise. But the devil's demon army has different categories. Uh, the prophet Joel says they're like a locust, like an organized army to attack um, the reason that you see in the Bible the word Satan, but it's referring to his works and not necessarily him, is because Satan is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. That means God can be everywhere, anywhere, all the time. Satan's not like that. He can only be in one place at a time, so he sends out his demon army. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, that actually was Satan. Because Jesus merited Satan's personal attention. Um, they're an organized army, the demons are, and they know what their job is. And there's a scripture I'm about to read to you from the mouth of Jesus. And I need you to memorize this scripture for the rest of the sermon. John 10.10, Jesus said this, the thief, which is another word for Satan, comes only to, what are those three words? Say it strong. Steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, the original Greek translation actually says, uh, Satan um, only comes, Satan does not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, this is very valuable information for you because you need to know that Satan never gives you one single merciful moment. Satan never gives you one second of peace. He never gives you one second uh, to get to gain back your strength. When you're at your most weary, when you think your marriage is over, when you think your child is done with and there's nothing else you can do, Satan attacks you even more and more and more. 
He only comes to steal everything good in your life. He only comes to destroy everything good in your life. He only comes to kill you, your children. If Satan had it his way, your kids would already all be dead. All of them. Um, Satan's army loves to um, work with leaders and attack um, um, leaders of nations or people of influence. Satan attacks parents to try to destroy the family and the kids. Satan attacks pastors. Always pray for your pastor, the president. Satan loves to go over, uh, over authority figures. If you look back when Satan was working with Pharaoh, whenever Moses was in Egypt, remember what Satan wanted to do? And, and he actually did. Pharaoh killed all the newborn kids. There's nothing more demonic than killing Thousands and thousands of children and babies. Nothing more demonic. Fast forward to when Jesus was born. What did Herod do? Killed all the newborn babies. Right? Nothing more demonic. Fast forward. What did Hitler do? Kill all the newborn babies. You go to Auschwitz and you'll see piles and heaps of children's shoes and eyeglasses where they were tortured and killed. Fast forward in America. What do we do in America? Kill all the newborn babies. Is it, we need to open our eyes to what's going on and, and, and not try to sweep things under the rug because Satan's out to kill us, but I'm going to show you how to deal with it. But 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, we can't be ignorant. We cannot be ignorant of the schemes and the intellect of Satan. Um, that means don't be one of those Christians that pretends like demons aren't real and you don't want to hear about it. If we throw away demons in the Bible, we throw away most of my Lord and Savior's ministry. Because most of Jesus' work on earth was dealing and healing people of, um, of Satan's attacks and tribulation and demonic activities. Um, C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest writers of the past hundred years, says um, there are two types of Christians that Satan loves. It is skeptics and superstitious. The two types of people, Satan loves these people because uh, the skeptics say, well, there's no such thing as demons and we don't need to hear a sermon about that. And that was a long time ago. And, they, and skeptics think, man, this is the worst sermon ever. And then there's superstitious people. Superstitious people say, man, you're finally getting to the good stuff. Like this, we've been waiting all our life to hear about this. Uh, superstitious think every time you sneeze, there's a demon. Okay? If you're camped out over here, or if you're camped out over here, I need to pick up your tent and come back into the middle. Okay? We're not going to be weird, but demons are real. Um, Acts 10.38 says this, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now my introduction today was simply to try to convince you to listen real closely to the rest of the sermon. If you are not convinced you need to hear this, let me show you what the scripture actually means. Has there ever been an area of your life where you've never been able to get victory? A certain area, maybe in, in a relationship, maybe in your health, maybe in your finances, maybe in your mental state of mind. Every time you go to bed, you're just full of fear, worry, and you have nightmares all through the night. Has there ever been an area of your life when you look back and you might even can see that your parents battled this or your grandparents? Satan studies your ancestors. If there's alcoholism in your blood, he makes sure the second you get around the wrong people, you're offered alcohol. He wants to get you in that. If addiction's in your family line, he'll make sure no matter where you go, there's somebody that has the drugs that you want. If there's, um, if, there's, if there's worry, doubt, gossip, he will make sure you get around spirits that are like that so it'll, it'll pull you down just like it did the people that came before you. He studies you. And so if there's ever been an area of your life where you've been totally oppressed, uh, let me say it like this, um, has there ever been an area in your life where you've always felt powerless? I mean just total powerless. You feel like that you've, you've read every self-help book, you, 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 you've, you've taken medication, you've gone to doctors, and you just feel this total, just powerless in this area. 
Has there ever been an area of life where you've confessed a certain sin over a hundred times and you tell God every time, I promise I'll never do it again. And then you do it. Okay, listen. Wake up. <laughs> that is the devil trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Do not think it's the person's fault. Do not think, oh God, I'm such a horrible person. You need to know that Satan is trying to kill your destiny. Why wouldn't he? If we in this room know that God has a great plan for our life, isn't it obvious the enemy wants to destroy that plan? And you may not think you need to hear this, but listen, and I think you all do, but you may be thinking, nah, I didn't come to hear this sermon. Listen, a year from now, when your child's struggling with suicide, you're going to wish you heard this. Uh, five years from now, when your loved one's told they have cancer, you're going to wish you heard this. Um, um, you lose your job in 10 years, you, your spouse, you're going to wish you knew how to handle the devil and his attacks in your life, or it's just going to keep happening and you're going to live in bondage forever. So, do you need to hear this sermon, yes or no? Yes! yes. I bet I can get you to say that louder. Um, does the person next to you need to hear this sermon? Yes! <laughs> that was so funny. Okay. I'm going to laugh about that later. Okay, so it's good news. It's good news if you've discovered that the devil is trying to hurt you. Because here's why. I know the one that can actually heal that. I know the person that can actually set you free. The reason a lot of Christians are still in bondage is they don't believe they need to hear something like this. So, okay, point number one for your notes. Ready? Here we go. Demons are real. Demons are real. Um, 82 times in the King James Version of the Bible it talks about demons. 61 of those 82 times in the Gospels. The reason it's so much in the Gospels is because nobody had authority over the demons until Jesus came and his Holy Spirit went into the life of believers. Um, it, you'll see in the Bible it refers to them as fallen angels up until Jesus' time. Then it says demons. In fact, in Jude and 2 Peter and in Revelation, there's some scriptures about fallen angels. But those scriptures are referring to the past before Jesus. That's why they say fallen angels. Once Jesus came, he called them demons or evil spirits. Uh, where do they come from? Isaiah 14, 12 starts it, where Lucifer fell from heaven. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O day star. How you've been cut down to the ground, satanic king of Babylon. You've been brought down to Sheol or Hades. Revelation 12, 4 and 9, the dragon dragged down a third of the stars. Stars represent angels. A third of the stars fell, flung to earth. That old serpent who was called the devil and Satan was forced out of heaven and down to earth. And his angels were flung out with him. So um, one third of the angels fell. Now mathematically that means this. For every one demon that's against you, there's two angels that are for you. Uh, and the reason that should excite you is because you, all you need is one angel. I don't care how many demons. You only need one angel. Because when God decides to finally at the end of time throw Satan into the bottomless pit and shut him up, God doesn't do it himself. He doesn't send Jesus to do it. He sends one angel. Uh, Revelation 20 verse 3 Then an angel threw Satan into the bottomless pit And shut him up I can picture it I, I can picture God sitting there on the throne Jesus is at his right hand And, and, and Jesus is interceding for us And he says God, um, Daddy, uh, John Paul just repented for that So I, I paid for it Okay, give him for me Okay, John Paul needs wisdom I, just, I already paid for that Okay, give him wisdom uh, John Paul needs some pain I paid for that So give him. So Jesus is doing all this interceding And finally God says Okay, son, hold on a minute I've had enough of all this I've seen what the devil's been doing. I've seen his demons attacking my people. I'm done. I'm ready to end it forevermore. It's time to put Satan in the bottomless pit. And Jesus says, oh, daddy, can I do it? And God says, no, son, it's just Satan. 
It's just Satan. That's all it is. I don't need to send you. Just send one of the angels. And Jesus says, which angel should we send? And God says, ah, get the little guy. Just find the little guy at the back. Just make sure he says, in Jesus' name. As long as he says that, Satan will go right into the bottomless pit. So demons are real. We should not be afraid, but they are real. If you don't believe in demons, turn on the news. You can literally, if you study world history and if you look at world news, you can literally see what type of demon powers are all over the world. Satan, I wish we were, this is such a personal thing for me because I've experienced this with people. Satan wants you to, in the middle of the night when you can't sleep and you have these fears that you're going to die of COVID and worry that this can happen to your children and you're going to turn on the news or turn on TV, Read your Bible. <laughs> Open up your Bible. If you really can't sleep, listen to one of my sermons. You'll fall asleep just like that. But get some word in you. You know, it's so important that we recognize, recognize this fight. This will bring so much peace in our lives. If you realize your boss is not the problem, Satan's the problem. Satan's the problem. So, okay, if you have your Bibles, Mark 5. I want you to turn your Bibles. If you have uh, your Bibles, uh, Mark 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read different verses in there, but Mark 5 is in the Gospels, um, 1 through 15. Uh, and I want you to know this. Listen, let me tell you Satan's real. He wants you, right now with this COVID thing going on, how many Christians are fearing death? Like if there's anything a Christian should not be afraid of, it's death. Yet this enemy will use whatever it takes to pull you away from, from the joy of the Lord because that's your strength. Okay, Mark 15, 1 through 15. Mark 5. And a man with an evil spirit who lived in the tombs met Jesus. This man had often been naked, and it wasn't Myrtle Beach, just so you know. I know you think probably Broadway the beach, but this man had been naked and chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart. Night and day, he was screaming and cutting himself. Now, let me just let me say this. I, I can't tell you how many people um, have come to me over the past 15 years, and they have a very hidden problem for instance cutting themselves or um drugs or something that and when i try to pull their loved ones in to say okay we want to help this person the loved ones don't even believe it. They're, they're in total denial no my, my teenager could never do that you don't know what you're talking about or my friend my spouse though they don't have that problem listen satan is real and he's doing whatever it takes to keep you in bondage don't be Ignorant like the Bible says to it. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped him. Jesus said to him, come out, you unclean spirit. Okay, here's my question. I, have you ever seen an atheist bow down and worship God? No. That tells me this guy's a believer. So if you're in here and you think, well, because we're Christians, or you might even have this thought, because we're at Market Common, we don't have to worry about demons. Because people at Market Common, that's the last people on earth that ever need to hear about demons is Market Common people. This guy was a believer. He's worshiping Jesus and he's battling an unclean spirit. Verse 7 says this. He screamed, what do you want to do with me, Jesus? And this is the demons talking and I'll show you why we know that in a second. I don't know if it was audibly or if it was a spiritual conversation. The demon said, I beg you, do not torment me. Because of course Jesus would never torment anybody. Jesus asked him, what's your name? He replied, my name is Legion. For we are many. If you got your notes or if you got your Bible open next to Legion, write the number 6,000. Legion is 6,000 demons. Let me tell you, this guy was messed up, okay? And he begged Jesus not to send them out of the region. Um, demons like to stay where they were assigned to stay. 
Um, there are different demons per region, and I'm going to give you some examples without trying to offend you. But if you look at different areas of the world, if you study world history, even in our United States, you'll find different demons in different places. As an example, you can imagine what type of demons are namely in Las Vegas. You can imagine what type of demons are namely in San Francisco. Um, you can, th you know, New England has more witchcraft than any other part of the world. Because there are certain demons assigned to that area. Um, think about the demons that are... Um, I, have, I have pastor friends in Atlanta. And they say the biggest um, stronghold there is workaholics. Where they want to convince people to work 80 hours a week. Never spend time with their family. Just trying to avoid nice things. <clears throat> I think that there's a demon of pride over all of the United States. I think we're the most prideful nation in the world. I mean, we take sin and have pride with it. You know, this is Sin Pride Month over in this section over here. Um, you think about other nations, some nations love to fight and drink. Some nations are sexist and they treat women like animals. Some nations are completely lazy. I mean, just nothing but laziness in the whole nation. It's because Satan has assigned certain demons to those regions. Uh, the demons begged them, send us into the pigs, and Jesus gave them permission. We'll talk about that next week. And the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered 2,000 pigs. And you know the story, they ran off the cliff and they killed themselves. Demons are disembodied spirits looking for a body. They're disembodied spirits. They're not looking for your spirit because your spirit belongs to Jesus. They're looking for a body. And this actually proves my point that most cats are demon possessed. But anyway, moving on. Okay, verse 15. The people came to Jesus and saw the man who had the lesion of demons, was demonized or demon possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, and they begged Jesus to leave. You would have thought they would have begged him to teach a seminar so they could learn how to be healed and have all their friends healed and their family healed and their loved ones healed. But they did what a lot of Christians do today. We don't want to hear about this, Jesus. This is not a subject that we want to talk about. We're begging you, Pastor. Stop preaching about this. Same thing, right? Okay. So demons are real. Point number two is this. Demons really enter people. They really enter people. Um, Psalms 83 verse 12 says this. They have said, let us take possession, you know, demon possessed, for ourselves, the houses of God. The houses, our, our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. They want to possess houses that belong to God. So here's my question. Don't answer this question out loud because you're going to get it wrong, okay? Can a believer be demon possessed? Can a Christian be possessed by demons. Okay, here's the answer. In the Greek, the word demon possessed is this word daimonai zomai. Demonized or demon possessed. The zomai part means possessed in English. But our English word for possessed has two different Greek words. The one we're talking about is zomai. Um, there's one Greek word that means ownership. That's not the one we're talking about. The word we're talking about today, zomai, is control or influence. So let me ask the question a different way. Can a believer be owned by a demon, yes or no? No. But can a believer be under the influence or under the control of a demon? Yes. Joel 2.9 says they run to and fro in the city of Myrtle Beach. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows 
like a thief. What was the scripture I told you to remember earlier today? The thief comes to steal. Okay, so here's my question. Let's say that you left um, your house today to come to church and you left a window open in your home. Okay, you left a window open in your home. While you're here in church, your window's open, you left it open in your house, and a thief climbs into the window of your home. Does that thief own your home, yes or no? No. no. But is he in your home? And while he's in there, you know what he's going to do while he's in there? He's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. Because you left a window open. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. While that thief is in your home, he's got control over your home. The only way that thief's going to leave is if you kick him out. Handcuff him, call the police, get him out of the house. But while he's still in your home, he's got control over it. He's going to do whatever he wants to do in there. Try his best at least until you kick him out. That's what it's like for believers when we leave a window open in our life or a door open in our life. Um, I'll tell you this story and I'll move on. I've seen what I'm talking about today. I've seen it. I've seen it. And uh, I'll tell you one of many stories. I remember um, this, this mother. She was a, a, a new mom. Her baby was real small in the, in the carrier. And this mom I was watching, she was incredibly angry about something. And she was talking to somebody, another adult. And she was so angry. And she began to say um, things. She didn't raise her voice and she didn't cuss. But she was saying curses. You know, you can't do anything right. What's wrong with you? Every time I ask you, it's never up. And... I need you to remember whenever the Israelites sent the 12 spies to spy out the land with Moses and 10 came back, the Bible says the 10 had an evil report. The reason it said evil is because they spoke words that were opposite of God. If God is holy, the opposite would be evil. Put a D before it, you got devil. Okay. When the spies came back, they didn't cuss. They didn't raise their voice. They simply said, we are not able. God said, you are well able. They said, we're not able. God said, you are well able. So what they said, the Bible said, God said, that's evil. Okay? It's evil because it goes against what I said. This mom was saying things that went against what God said for this person she was talking to. While she's saying this, I literally watched this baby was so happy, gooing and gone, just perfectly content. And just like that, I watched this baby start going into convulsions, screaming bloody murder. They didn't know what was wrong with it. The mom stopped what she was saying. The baby didn't stop screaming. They took the baby to the doctor, couldn't figure it out. They, they waited a day or two, they had medicine, couldn't figure it out. Finally, they brought some elders in. They prayed and anointed the baby with oil, and just like that, the baby was totally healed. Now, I'm not saying that to freak you out. I'm not saying that for you to think I'm one of those weird pastors, you know, you see on TV that's raising $80,000 for a campaign today, or, or I'm going to take my, my jacket and, and hit you one time before you leave and try to get I'm not going to do that, okay? But I am telling you that Satan's real. And I'm telling you that you can open a window in your life and, and Satan will jump right in there. He'll, he'll jump right in. And we need to be aware of these windows that maybe we've opened. We need to close them in Jesus' name. And I'm going to share to do that in the next few weeks. Okay, so number one uh, is demons are real. Number two is they really enter people. Number three is the good news. Here's the good news. Demons are really cast out by Jesus. 
They really are. They, so if you struggle in Syria, if you have a child and you've done everything you possibly can, you need to know this is good news because it's not your strength. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit that takes care of it. I'll tell you a story, then I'll show you some scripture. But um, I was reading about this, this young missionary kid. He grew up kind of like in a church like this that was contemporary. He knew about the ministry of Jesus and, and dealing with, with the devil and, and demons and so forth. And so he goes into missionary school and he goes to become a missionary and he meets this other missionary group in a faraway country. And this other group of missionaries are very denominational, strict, you know, Christians that are just, you know, they, they sing the hymns and they have the organ playing and, and they don't talk about demons. And so they go to this tribe they're trying to witness to and there's obvious demonic oppression by what the way they're treating the children and things they're doing is obvious demonic oppression. And the tribe, they think they don't know that they're doing wrong. They're just, it's just total demonic. And so this new missionary says to all of the older missionaries that were already there, he says, man, there's demons here. We need to cast these demons out. And the other people say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't cast out demons. And listen to this guy's such pure and just, a, just his, his gentle heart. He said, you don't cast out demons? They said, no, we don't cast out demons. He said this, you leave them in? You leave the demons in? Like, there's only two options. You either cast it out or you leave it in. I mean, what other option is there? You know, So you got to cast them out. So Matthew 8, 16, I'm going to show you this. It says, many were possessed and sick, and Jesus cast out devils, plural, with a, what's that word I got highlighted? Word. So in other words, he used, he used the word, right? Okay. When Jesus speaks, that's the word. Luke 4.33, there was a man in the synagogue who had an unclean spirit. This was a demon of a foul mouth. Have you ever met somebody? No matter how hard they try, you could pay them $1,000. They can't get through one sentence without dropping an F-bomb. I know you know somebody. Don't point to the person next to you. And with authority and power, Jesus ordered, there he is speaking again, the evil spirit to be quiet and come out. Mark 6.12, and they, no, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It just went from Jesus to disciples. Pretty cool. And the disciples preached, cast out demons, and healed many who were sick. Mark 16, 17, miraculous signs will be with those, who, now it's talking about us, who have faith. And in my name, believers will cast out demons. Luke 10, 17, this is the, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, then he had 70. He sent them out, and the 70 disciples came back, returned with joy, and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, are you serious? No, I'm just saying, Jesus said, that doesn't impress me at all. I saw Satan fall. You think, that, you think that's that big of a deal that demons are subject to you in my name? I was standing there. I saw the leader of these demons fall like lightning from heaven. So behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Here's my question today. When someone's battling attacks from the devil, is the way to handle it to pull out your gun and try to shoot? Is that how you handle it? Pull out your 44 or your 45 or whatever numbers there are. I don't know what numbers are. Your 103, whatever it is. Do you pull it out and shoot the devil? That doesn't work. Maybe you could use a more civilized weapon like a lightsaber or a, or a slingshot. Would that work? Yes. Is that, is that, no, that's, you, can't, you can't take a slingshot to a devil. That's not going to work. Which, by the way, are from slingshots. You know the giants came from fallen angels that mated 
with humans, read your Bible, it's in there very crazy. Yep, demons got power. So anyway, so what do you do? You can't slingshot them. In fact, St. Corinthians 10 4 says the weapons of our warfare, warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they're mighty before God for the destruction of strongholds. Here's the answer. Our spiritual weapon is the name of Jesus and the Word of God. The name of Jesus and the Word of God. Here, this makes it easy. It's prayer and Bible. Prayer, it's communion with Jesus daily. Bible, it's His Word and what comes out of His mouth. This is actually the answer for every sermon. <laughs> Every sermon, this is the answer. Prayer in the Bible. Prayer in the Bible. Now, let me show you how important it is that you do this daily. Everybody say daily. Yeah. Remember it says in Psalms um, 1 verse 2, meditate on God's word day and night. Joshua 1 8, um, um, it says uh, meditate on God's word day and night. You'll succeed and prosper in everything that you do. Romans, renew your mind in the word daily. Everybody say daily. So let me show you what happens when you only do this on Sundays. Okay, Jesus, this is... What I'm about to read you comes out of the, my Lord and Savior's mouth. So don't deny this. This comes out of Jesus' mouth. Matthew 12, 45. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. It wanders through dry regions. Dry. Now remember I've taught you before that all through the Bible when you see the word water, it refers to the word. Remember Moses spoke to the rock, water come out, word, water. Uh, it says to wash daily in the word. Wash daily, drink of the word daily. Okay, so the Spirit's got some dry, looking for dry places to rest, but it doesn't find any. So it says, I'm going to go back to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty. That's important you remember that. Swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil, and they enter and live there in the last state of that person. In case you didn't know we were talking about people, the last state of the person is worse than the first. Here's what this is saying. There's a believer. They get saved. They come to church. They love church. They start serving. They start giving. Their heart's doing great. They're so excited. They've swept their house. Everything's in order. But they start getting a little bit bored. They start focusing on the flesh and blood worldly stuff. They start fighting on Facebook. They start getting upset with the president. They blame their parents for what's happening. Whatever is going on. And their life is empty and dry. See, when they first got saved, they were in church. They were thinking about the sermon all through the week. They had that scripture pop up on their phone in the morning. They prayed before they went to bed. But when they first got saved and at nighttime when they couldn't sleep, they pulled out their Bible. When, when, when they first got saved, they joined short groups and they couldn't wait to see what they were going to learn the next week and who they were going to help and how they were going to serve. And then along the way, things got dry. And they're saved, which means they're going to heaven, but they're back in bondage because when the demons came back, their house was empty. They didn't fill themselves up with the word of God and prayer, communion with God. Remember what it was like when you first got saved, when you first started coming to church, when you first started coming to this church. You couldn't wait for the music to start. You couldn't wait to see what the parody was going to be. You thought, oh man, the sermon, I'm going to take notes. It's going to be great. I'm going to talk about it at dinner time today with my family. And then along the way, you think, uh, listen, I didn't change. <laughs> the music didn't change. <laughs> In fact, we all got more anointed as the years go by. But something in your life happened. You got sick, somebody lost their job, and you started focusing on the wrong thing, and your house is dry. 
There's an age-old debate, and I'll close with this. Theologians battled this up until 1980s. They said, do Christians need deliverance or do Christians need discipleship? And they finally realized the answer is yes. They need deliverance and discipleship. Here's why. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. But you can cast out a demon and you can disciple the flesh. In other words, we need prayer and the Bible. Amen. We need communion with Jesus. We need to, we need to pray. In you, and I know, this, I know this sounds like a preacher thing to say. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your home. Amen. You need to close all the windows in your house. With the name of Jesus. You need to find what demons trying to oppress your life and your family. And you call it by name. And you say, in G listen, Satan's not scared of you. He's scared of who's backing you up. I remember, um, I tell, this just came to me. I hope it's a good story. We'll see what happens. Um, and I'll close with this. But um, uh, some of my best friends, uh, parents, still come to church, but um, they're not here. The English family. Um, anyway, um, so their son was my best friend in high school, Kevin English. And um, he's African-American, tall, strong. We called each other salt and pepper, but it was funny. But anyway, my best friend. And so when somebody wanted to fight me, I wasn't really good at fighting. I lost nine out of ten times. But Kevin would always step up. I remember one time, I'll even tell you, it was on Forsbrook Road or somewhere around there. And um, we were 15 years old, and all of our trucks are in a circle, and everyone's going to fight. Who's going to fight John Paul? And this guy's coming to fight John Paul. And man, he was so much bigger than me, and I was like, oh no, I'm going to lose this. And all I care about is my face. Like, punch me anywhere, just not in the face. This is my moneymaker right here. Can't lose the teeth, can't lose the face. Anyway, and so, um, and so, um, so he's coming to fight me, and I was like, oh man, I don't want to fight. And then all of a sudden, my best friend comes walking from behind me. And I won't tell you what he said, because it wasn't godly, but anyway... And then that guy that was going to fight me got scared, and the guy pulled a shovel out from behind his truck. And he took the shovel, and he hit my friend right upside the head. And it was like something from Terminator. My friend did like this. like, oh! And he went, oh, man, you're messed up now. He didn't say messed up, but, you know, he, and he fought the guy. Okay, listen, Satan's not scared of you. He's scared of who's backing you up. You have to invoke the name of Jesus. You have to speak out God's word. You won't know what to speak out if you don't study it. You need to fill yourself up daily with the word, communion with Jesus. And here's my last scripture, Mark 5, 6. We already saw the scripture earlier. When the guy, remember the guy that was naked in the tombs and cutting himself with 6,000 demons? When he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped him. Jesus said, come out, you unclean spirit. You know why this is the most encouraging scripture today? Here's why. None of you are in as much bondage as this guy was. 6,000 demons, naked. All of y'all got your clothes on. Thank you. <laughs> None of y'all have it this bad. If there was anyone who Satan could kill, if there was anyone whose life Satan could destroy, if there was anyone who Satan could say, I got this guy, he's never going to Jesus, it'd be him. But not even 6,000 demons can stop you from running to Jesus and being delivered and set free. That's good news. That's such good news. That's good news. And I want to say the same thing for your children, the same thing for your loved ones. If you, if those of you that have kids, you know how important it is 
to, to, to pray and not fight. You know what it's like to have a child, and no matter what you do, you know, you try your best, and you can have 10 kids, and there's that one. They got the same parents, they're raised the same way, and I can tell you, and it's because my son's going to be at the next service, not this one. He's getting baptized today. Amen. You know what a miracle that is? That's only because of prayer. That's only because of prayer. Nothing else can turn a heart like that. Nothing else. And a lot of times you do this and you think, oh man, it's just getting worse and worse. That's because the enemy knows he's about to be destroyed. So he sends this demon from Atlanta, this demon from Las Vegas. He does whatever he says. You need to go attack this family. They're starting to pray. Don't stop. Don't stop. In the words of Journey, don't stop. That's right. Okay. Bow your heads and pray. Okay. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to give a second for Jesus to speak to you because nothing of any significance is said unless the Holy Spirit talks to you personally today. And Jesus does speak to his sheep. His sheep know his voice. So if you're here today and there's been oppression in your life, and you've been fighting tooth and nail, but you haven't used the authority that's been given to you as a believer, the name of Jesus, which is above every name, which the Bible says demons tremble at the mention, the very mention in your house when you're mentioning, you know what Jesus did for me today? In your house when you're, when, you're, when you're laying in bed and your spouse is asleep and you're whispering, in Jesus' name, Jesus, cover our house in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that enemy of fear. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that enemy of, of, of sickness, cancer. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that devil of, 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 of self-torture, cutting yourself, drug addictions. In Jesus' name, man, demons tremble. Get them out of your, your temple, out of your house. Close the windows. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit spoke to you in depth about something, I just want you to lift your hand just so I can pray for you. Hands up just for 30 seconds. Lord, let me just, everybody have the faith to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus in this area. It's not my strength. I can't do it on my own. It'll only be by the grace of God, the power of God, the goodness of God. Right now, with their hands raised, God asks right now that you begin to fill them in their mind with your power. Let them, let them be able to mentally, somehow grasp mentally what can be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, even in their emotions and their feelings, get them excited about it. Get them excited about communion time with you tonight, tomorrow, the next day, in which you tell them what to pray for. And you tell them what to speak out and to declare in Jesus' name. Lord, um, their minds, their emotions, and their will. Lord, give them the desire to do this every single day, day and night, morning and night. It could only be 30 seconds, a minute, but they're declaring the name of Jesus over their household, over their life. I thank you for the work you're doing in each person here today, Jesus. I thank you for what you're going to do in their life, and we give you all the praise and all the glory because you deserve it alone. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Yeah.